Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Monday. Okay, big day today on big the COVID-19 day. pandemic. We've got the Monday, the usual Monday briefing, but it's been moved up, and you got Horgan uh, on board yeah, here. Read what the, are you hearing? Read the tea leaves here, folks. Something big's coming at 1 o'clock today. They moved the briefing up from 3 p.m. The Premier's going to be there. A very unusual move. The scuttlebutt, uh, I haven't got it confirmed yet, but we're hearing there's going to be some, some moves on the restaurant sector. Oh. Likely. Oh. I wouldn't be, don't be surprised if we go back to only takeout uh, service and maybe uh, open air patios. But I wow. uh, can't see how we're going to continue on with uh, in-person dining. Perhaps there's implications here for, uh, you know, you, again, you read between the lines when Dr. Bunny Henry's been talking about the last couple of weeks. She's very concerned about indoor transmissions and specific work sites. So you're going to see, I think, a crackdown on work sites that have significant numbers that are going to be closed. I think you're going to see... Like what kind of work sites? Well, I think right across the board. I mean, it's not just food processing plants, which we've been talking about before. Uh, we saw that glass factory out in uh, Langley. Um, uh, not shut down, but uh, people getting vaccinated there. So in other words, like if there's an outbreak in a workplace, they would just shut it down? I think if the numbers like, are, are sufficient enough, it's to, and also people are moving in to get vaccinated. So the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine is also not just frontline workers, but there's a, a percentage of it's going to be used to shut down these outbreaks and the, these uh, clusters of cases. Uh, there's not a huge number of those, but right now the numbers going into the weekend were quite alarming. 908 yeah. cases on on uh, f- uh, Friday, 800 on Thursday, 716 on Wednesday. Uh, the numbers have been and 600 the day before, 656 oh, I think man. the day before that. So the numbers have been escalating. So I think the stage is set for some significant action to be unveiled today at one o'clock again. Don't be surprised if we see restaurants return to only takeout and outdoor service only. Again, we haven't got that confirmed, but that seems to be where they're headed. Okay, that's going to send a shutter down the spines of the restaurant industry that have been struggling to stay open here and, and survive this thing if they're shut down again. I mean, is there any evidence that there's been spread and outbreaks in restaurants? Is that well, why that's on the list? You go back to the now infamous trivia night at the pub in Port Moody. Uh, 300 people infected there, not yeah. who were on uh, on site. One person went in, 25 people there got the virus because of that one person. They took it out to their communities and infected 300 people. So that's a, that's a pub. Uh, they're not yeah. going to be immune from whatever's coming at 1 o'clock. So, again, we haven't got it confirmed, but don't be surprised if that's if that's what's coming down. Also, implications potentially for gyms, recreation centers, libraries. Who knows? Maybe wow. that's where they're going as well because we're in a situation that's very critical right now with the variants in particular. The huge exponential growth of the UK B117 variant, and to a lesser degree, but still as alarming, the P1 Brazilian variant, which is now, uh, again, the number of active cases is not huge, but it's concerning. Okay, it's, it's almost like a flashback to the start of the pandemic a yeah. year ago when there were great fears about the healthcare system being overwhelmed if people get really sick in large numbers. Have a listen to this. This is Sally Otto from uh, UBC Zoology School uh, talking about uh, intensive care units. Have a listen. There's no question that we're going to need to see more restrictions if B117 spreads uh, um, and it um, has these impacts on our hospitals as we predict from the models. What, my, um, what Dr. Henry has done is kept an eye on the numbers and as they start to spread, increase restrictions. And I think um, basically we've got another week. Okay, the fear is the hospitals get full up. Yeah, and the one, one glimmer of good news going into the weekend is even though we had 1,500 or 1,700 cases in two days, 
um, a number of people in hospital actually went down in BC. Went down from 313 at one point to uh, 294. Is that because it's mostly younger people catching it now? Well, it, uh, yeah, 20 to, 20 to 40 is the age group that were, is uh, getting the vast majority of cases, but they don't get hospitalized nearly as often as older people do. That is changing, though, with the variants. There's evidence the variants uh, strain do put young people in hospital. The median age of people who have uh, the Brazilian variant right now in BC is um, 27, which is quite young. 34 is the median age of people who have the UK variant, which again is not is closer to the the median age of COVID-19 because people in their 20s and 30s, uh, almost since day one, have been the number one age cohort who get COVID-19. They just okay. don't get hospitalized as much, but perhaps the variants are going to be different. Okay, spring break is over. It's back to school for BC kids and. A lot of people are wondering and concerned about COVID spread in schools. Now, it was interesting to see Surrey and the Surrey School District bring in an expanded mask mandate in schools. Let's have a listen to Jordan Tinney here, who is the Surrey Superintendent of Schools. It's good news to get uh, a clear, clear advice on masks. It's also a sign that COVID is still alive and well and out there. And the fact that health believes we need to take additional measures, specifically in Surrey, means that um, there's still great cause for concern. Okay, so we got an expanded mask mandate in Surrey schools. Could this be expanded to other school districts? Quite possibly. You look at, I mean, Surrey is the sort of epicenter right now of uh, our cases, but if you look at the Center for Disease Control website's maps, Vancouver is right on Surrey's heels in terms of the number of cases in, in recent weeks. Um, Surrey is, I think, uh, the last uh, week of reporting, we saw something like 950 cases in Surrey but more than 600 in Vancouver, which, again, not far behind. Then there's a big drop to other school districts, to Abbotsford, Langley, uh, Burnaby. They're in the 100s and 200s. Could that be announced today, possibly? Potential. I think there's well. a lot of things on the table today. The fact, again, that the, mo- the briefing has been moved up with very short notice yep. uh, to 1 o'clock, and that the fact that the premier is going to be there. The premier doesn't go to these briefings. Well, it's like he told some- us that he was on here last week with us, and, and he said that he's... His style has been hands-off. Yep. He, he wants to let Bonnie Henry lead it. So when he shows up, that signals what? A more serious announcement? I think so, that uh, there's going to be uh, not just case numbers today. There's going to be yeah. actual actions uh, and restrictions. Okay, we continue to follow up very closely. We'll have, of course, live coverage of the news conference this afternoon, 1 o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, 1 o'clock is when that is. All right, I just uh, spoke to Jamie McLaren, who is a community leader in the Strathcona neighborhood, and we talked about the escalating mayhem yeah, at the uh, homeless park in Strathcona Park. We've had fires. We've had explosions. We've had overdose deaths. We've had a, a, someone mauled by a dog down there. And a lot of people saying it's time to close uh, close that camp and, and move it up. But let me play this here for you. John Cooper, who is a member of the park board, who has been calling for the homeless camp to be shut down in Strathcona Park, uh, talking about how safe it is down there, including for reporters going down there to try and tell the public what's going on. I, I saw Paul Johnson, a global reporter, who was actually prevented from entering the park by the camp leader, uh, Chrissy Brett. Uh, another camper was threatening him with a with a two-by-ten. I mean, what is going on in Vancouver? I mean, I just, you know, you get, I think the media would get better treated in a war zone uh, uh, on the other side of the world. I mean, this is about freedom of the press now. The This, this is not, this has gone beyond homelessness. This is a really serious, health and safety issue for the, for Vancouver and the community of Strathcona and the chair of the park board and the Green Cope Alliance have been silent. Okay, a lot of people wonder why we have a park board to begin with, which is kind of unusual for a big city. 
I had that same question go through my mind when I covered my very first Vancouver Park Board meeting back in the 1980s. I mean, this is sort of like an anachronism. Uh, and now they're in over their heads. I mean, what's happening there is not about um, a bike line, bike lane in Stanley Park. This is a very serious situation with criminality involved. You've got an organized bunch of thugs in that uh, that area that go beyond just homelessness. And my colleague Paul Johnson, again, threatened. Not the only reporter, won't be the last reporter, threatened uh, by what's going on down there. But the park board, this has transcended the park board in terms of being able to handle this thing. But again, David Eby and the housing minister... You know, the provincial government has a role in this as well. And uh, although it's unclear where the lines of authority go on this thing, city council washes its hands and says, it's a park board thing. Park board says, we don't have the means to deal with it. You do have senior governments sitting around trying to figure a solution to this. Let's finish with a little happier news, shall we? And that is the container ship in the Suez Canal reports this morning that it's been floated at last and maybe may moving again. Let's have a listen. Okay, that's some sounds uh, from the Suez Canal this morning as they try to float it this sound, container ship out. Which means our supply of toilet paper is once again secure. <laughs> okay, this thing is, uh, the, the ship that got stuck is one of the biggest ships in the world, like one of the largest container it's like, ships. It's like a floating Empire State Building. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. But again, it's, it's also a reminder uh, to people, a fascinating book I read a few years ago by a journalist, I forget her name, she spent a year on container ships and documented everything that was moving in a container ship around the world. And she called her book uh, 90% of Everything because it, she concluded that 90% of everything we consume at some point moves through a container ship, and that's what that ship is. They're moving containers through the Suez Canal. So much of what we use and consume go through the Panama Canal and the Suez Canal. I already got some emails on the weekend from environmental campaigners here in B.C. saying that, this is what could happen with oil tankers off our coast in BC if we allow the uh, uh, the pipeline to go through because the ships that go through the Suez Canal are piloted by specially trained pilots, okay? And even they could got the ship stuck in the Suez Canal. Same deal for the oil tankers going through our BC coastal waters, supposed to have specially trained pilots on board. But this uh, this can show that things can go wrong, even with specially trained pilots. Well, not, so it, you watch, you will see the environmental movement make that argument here. Oh, sure. It's an argument they made before. Nothing yeah. nothing is 100% preventable. All right. Welcome back to the show. Keith Baldry is my guest. Baldry's Beat. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. Star 9898 on your cell. Norma in Langley. Hi, Norma. Hi. Hi there. Go ahead. Hi. Um, if they're going to do a shutdown, I mean, my one of my daughters works in the hospitality industry, so you know it's going to affect her. But uh, if they're going to do a severe sh- shutdown, just let's just get it over with and do it like New Ze- Was it New Zealand? I can't remember anymore. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and then this morning, my husband is compromised, so he got the letter of invitation for vaccine, and once again, three hours. The first half an hour I waited I got hung up on so that's not cured either <laughs> oh, you mean so he got a letter to get his vaccine but you got to confirm it by phone yeah and yeah. I'm in your valley and I tried to get on the system but I think everybody okay is trying because I think this is the first day they're allowed to do it but right. uh, mm. the person I finally talked to uh, I was on there for two hours just trying they were they couldn't even get through on the uh, internet there and um, mm. He's from Jamaica, so it sounds like our jobs are 
you know, I don't know how how the hiring okay. goes. Well, I don't know about I don't know about that, but you know, keep trying. I would just advise you to keep trying. But Keith, your thoughts? Yeah, oh, yeah the pe- for sure. On the call centers, yes, some of the operators, a number of operators, are nowhere near British Columbia. They're in call centers. Oh, really? They're offshore? Offshore, New Brunswick. Uh, Again, we've seen classic cases, uh, particularly uh, you and I have talked about people on Vancouver Island. The operator thinks, well, you live on an island. How big can that be? Um, And you live in Courtney? Well, just go down to Victoria. Well, that's, you know, it's a three and a half hour drive. drive. (laughs) Uh, So we have heard anecdotally uh, some examples of that. Not many. It is frustrating people in that position. And again, if we do hear lockdown provisions today or more restrictions, they're likely designed for April. April is considered the critical month here. We're, we're, our numbers are soaring to the, the, our third wave has not crested yet. And that's the goal here is to make sure that wave doesn't get any bigger than it already is. While they get the vaccine out. I mean, it's that's kind right. of a race between the vaccine versus the virus. It's a race. Yeah. Let's go to Philip on the line in Vancouver. Hey, Philip. Good morning, Mike. Um, one of the problems I have is that over spring break at Whistler, there was there were outbreaks of people that they're up that they're partying. I can tell you, my daughter now knows fifty people that have the uh, that have the virus. Basically, came out of Whistler and parties that people had in kids had in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. It's uh, people are very uh, stupid. They don't know what. Uh, one apparently one family, both parents were positive. They allowed their son to have a party. And out of that came a half a dozen uh, positives. Yeah. I, th- I think that people just have to realize that this is a problem, and I don't care how much money you have, the West Side now is rife with people that have the, uh, tested positive now. Yeah. Okay, Philip, thanks for the call. Yeah, that's where the biggest growth has been, actually, is in Vancouver Coastal and primarily in Vancouver's. Uh, so the epicenter has moved kind of from Surrey to Surrey still has Surrey still has big numbers. In terms yeah. of growth, though, Vancouver yeah. has a much uh, bigger growth rate. There were 625 new cases, active cases, in one week in Vancouver. And you can those people then go out and spread the virus to, uh, as the caller just said, you know, those six, those uh, two parents allow kids in, six people get it. Then they go out into the community and spread it further. Let's go to Jim on the line in Surrey. Hey, Jim. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Why sure. does it seem, Keith, that, that all of this is reactive? Why aren't we having any proactive initiatives put into place? I mean, Dr. Bonnie Henry is supposed to be responsible for, for stopping this, not not for calming it down or being reactive to it. She says she's she's looking at the data around the world. Well, look at New Zealand, look at Australia, look at all the places that have gotten this down to nothing. They were all proactive in the approach, not reactive to the number of cases that are coming up. And do you think that in this meeting this afternoon, they're actually going to do some reactive stuff instead of trying to con- contain the mess that's already started? Thanks for the call. Well, all signs point to more restrictions. So yeah. I think that's coming. How how deep they are, how how broad they are remains to be seen. I don't think, um, I mean, they moved the briefing up two hours for a reason, and the premier's going to be there for a reason, not because it's good news. No, I think I think some lockdowns are coming. Sheila in Pitt Meadows, we just got a minute here. Sheila, okay. go ahead. Um, I just agree with the, the caller that just called in, and I'm just, I'm all for the tougher restrictions or the shutdowns. I work in a small business industry, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm willing to do what I've got to do to get this thing under control. And I, you know, my mom's 87. I lost my dad last year during COVID, and mm. I'm just, wow. yeah, just shut this thing down. That's okay. what I want to do. I want to see us get back to normal quicker and 
not drag it out. Thank you, Sheila. I think the government may be, in, may be detecting a, a sort of a public sentiment for that as well, but your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think it cuts both ways. There's still a lot of people who just refuse to buy into this, these stupid anti-mask rallies we see, although the last one was sparsely attended. But I think people's impatience with COVID and the pandemic are, is wearing thin. And if there are restrictions coming this afternoon, I think they're going to be supported. 911.